Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is so, so good to be with you wherever you're at. We're glad you're here. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor and our host for experience today. If you're a guest with us, special thanks. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. We'll send that out to you right away. Check in with us. Thanks for doing that. Enjoy some brew on us. Today, it's week three of our series, Tidings of Joy, as we're exploring the scripture together, going beyond the phrase many of us know when the uh, angels call to the shepherds, Tidings of Joy. We're going beyond that to the places that people experience Jesus. And when they do that, they're changed, they're transformed, and Jesus brings them joy. Pastor Spencer's gonna lead us in a message, and God has a message for us all today. If you'd like to go deeper into the message, we have a link that you can uh, go to and explore. It's schweitzer.church next. There's sermon questions and so much more. So enjoy doing that. And now let's hear from Stephanie. He's gonna tell us more. She keeps us up to date about what's going up, going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Christmas is fast approaching, and we hope that you're making plans to join us for one of our three services on Christmas Eve, Friday the 24th. We'll hold three candlelight services at 3, 5, and 7 p.m. This will be a wonderful time as we sing carols and celebrate Christ's birth together. Come a little bit early and enjoy some Christmas cookies and take a family photo. If you're interested in volunteering that evening as a greeter, usher, or even a golf cart driver for the parking lot, contact Sheila Pippen for more details or check online at schweitzer.church Christmas. Next Sunday, December 19th, will be a special day of music and worship as our own Schweitzer Choir presents their Christmas cantata, The Work of Christmas. This will be presented at both the 9 and 1045 services, and we're also live streaming it online. You will not want to miss this really special celebration of Christmas, so be sure and invite a friend next Sunday, December 19th. Now, I have some important information for you about the weeks following Christmas and our services here at Schweitzer. The Sunday following Christmas, that's Sunday, December 26th, we're going to be online only. That means there will be no in-person worship. We encourage you to enjoy the online message at home with family and friends. Then on January 2nd, the day after New Year's, we'll only host one service here in person at 10 a.m., This will be a special covenant renewal service to kick off the new year. So keep that in mind on January 2nd, only one service at 10 a.m. and the day after Christmas on the 26th, online only. We are so excited to be celebrating the Christmas season with you. Let's continue with worship this morning. Thanks so much, Stephanie. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage as a chat feature on your screen. Uh, Access that and let us know you're here. Also say hi to your friends, give us your insights. We appreciate that. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. And now as we continue in this season of Advent, it's our, our third week, let's light the third Advent candle together as we hear from the prophet Isaiah. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. 
They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our joy. May the joyful promise of your presence, O God, make us rejoice in our hope of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Is the night of the dear Savior's 
having just lit the joy candle and coming to our time of prayer. We give thanks to God for the gift of joy, for the gift of welcoming the outsider, which we all have been at one time. And so in our time of prayer together, let's give thanks to God just simply for the gift of joy, which is a gift of, of the spirit. And it's more than happiness, which is based in circumstances. Joy is a gift from God that is given to us and the knowledge and experience that God loves us so very deeply is with us and for us. And let's pray too in a time of silence and reflection that we also can welcome the outsider just as God does. So let's, uh, let's pray together. As we continue in prayer, holy God and kind, kind Father, we do thank you so very much for the gift of joy and for always welcoming us and others. Help us to live by your ex example, uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, uh, give us the, uh, the deep desire to seek others, invite them into a life with you that you've given us. Help us to point to you with all that we do. But God, we are so grateful for how you love us and give us great gifts like the gift of joy. And now in our, in our time together as we continue to pray, pray let's, uh, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together who, uh, who gave us this, this great prayer long ago. And let's pray in humility and confidence together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's goodness, God's generosity in our lives and in the world. And our response with faith and trust and obedience is to give back, to be generous people. We appreciate your generosity. And in 2021, there's been lots of new beginnings in our community. And one of those is Flourish, a new community development corporation. Schweitzer, when it launched, Flourish launched in January, Schweitzer stood beside Flourish in a partnership in that new beginning. We're so excited about all the work that Flourish is done in 2021. Wow, making a difference in our community and we are a community focused church. So let's watch, let's see the good work of Flourish. At its core, Flourish is an organization that follows Jesus' example as it stands with neighbors in need, pursues healing through relationships of reconciliation and invest in economic and leadership development. We serve individuals and families all around us in practical and transformative ways. Often this starts with our food pantry, a place of connection that meets most people's basic needs. Our food pantry volunteers build friendships as they serve together and love their neighbors. During 2021, we served an average of 200 families each month. 
Additionally, we collaborate with our local community. This year, we shared 477,000 pounds of food, which totals $417,000 with nine area organizations. Each week, we witnessed life transformation as part of our Flourish programs, including Jobs for Life, where we remind participants that they are created in the image of God as we provide tools for being a good employee. At our fall graduation, we celebrated the fact that 100% of our program participants attended and graduated the program, including one young man with autism. In 2022, we will launch several new classes, including faith and finances and boundaries in a whole new area of town. Our Coach House Ministry provides housing, mentorship, and support for women in transition. In the fall of 2021, we opened this home, the Dandelion House. This new space doubles our capacity this means six women will have a safe place to sleep, but also receive the support they need for the next chapter. As we look ahead to 2022, we see opportunities for life transformation everywhere. We will continue to serve our neighbors here on East Sunshine, and we'll also expand our reach to the west side of town, offering classes, outreach activities, and support for kids and families. Find out more about what we're doing at flourishcdc.org. We're really excited about next year because we are just getting started. We are so excited for all that Flourish has done in 2021. And we really look forward to all the good work the good, good work in our community that Flourish will do in 2022. And we wanted to let you know, we're really excited to once again partner with Flourish in the way through our Christmas offering. Our Christmas offering will go in support of Flourish again this year because of their excellent work. And we all can continue to give uh, today and throughout the year by going to Schweitzer.church slash give. Again, thanks so much. And now, Let's, uh, let's lean in as Pastor Spencer leads us in the message, week three of Tidings of Joy. Let's watch. Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Today is part three of our series called Tidings of Joy. Of course, that's what the angels say to the shepherds that night that Jesus is born. Remember Luke chapter two, verse 10, the angel said this. So the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. So catch that, tidings of great joy for all the people, for everyone. Not just some people, but all the people, not just the religious people, the moral people, not just the people who have it all together, the faithful people, not just the people who are looking for Jesus, but everyone. This is an invitation for everyone. This is a promise for everyone because the promise of Christmas is for everyone. 
Now, what we're doing in this series is really simple. We're just looking at this promise in action. So we're looking at different scenes of Jesus' life and we're just seeing how does this promise of tidings of great joy for everyone, how does this get lived out? What does it look like in action that, that this tidings of joy, this promise would, would be lived out among us? And so what we're doing each week is we're looking at different people who come in contact with Jesus and because of this, their life has changed. And these are, these are hopeless people, uh, people who don't have other options. Uh, the first week we talked about a healing story where, where Jesus is in a house and it's crowded and some friends because they want their friends to be healed. They bring him in on a mat and they lower him through the roof and Jesus um, brings healing to him because this is something he does for us. He brings healing to our bodies, to our relationships, to our emotions. He brings healing to us and wholeness to us. Last week, we looked at a, a demon possession because as we said, nothing quite says Merry Christmas like an exorcism. But, but really what we saw with this was somebody who was, who was in a hopeless situation, just the worst kind of shape. And yet when Jesus shows up and he, and he touches this man's life, this man is restored because this is what Jesus does. He changes our lives. Today, part three, it's going to be a different kind of story, but it's, it's still a hopeless situation. But this is not going to be a, a miraculous kind of event that we see in, in, in Luke chapter 19 today, but, but rather it's going to be a, a, a kind of story where, where, where somebody who is a total outcast um, is pushed to the margins and excluded from so much of life is welcomed into life in Jesus' kingdom, because this is something Jesus does. Jesus has eyes to see the outcast. He's looking for those on the margins. He, he wants to include everybody. Remember, the tidings of joy, it's for everyone. And so we're going to see today how Jesus welcomes the outcast. He, ha- he welcomes the hated, the reviled. He welcomes everyone into life in his kingdom. So Luke 19, so we're going to be today. And here's how the story goes. Verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief, te- chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school as a kid like I did, you, you know how the story goes because there's a song about it, right? Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed way up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as far as kids' Sunday school songs go, that one's got to be the most insulting. Oh my goodness, it's so, so bad. We're, we're, we're remembering Zacchaeus some 2,000 years later, and what are we remembering him? That he's a wee little man. This is what we remember from him. And if you didn't grow up in, in kids' Sunday school, I mean, you hear that, you're like, oh my goodness, that what an insulting song. But yeah, this is an insulting song, and this is what Zacchaeus is remembered for. Now, on the other side of this is if you lived in Jericho in, I don't know, the year 33 or whenever this took place, this would also be insulting because you would be out of your mind that, that the only person we remember from Jericho in that year was, was Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was hated. He was hated because he was, he was a tax collector. And here's how tax collecting worked back then. Remember, the Romans, they ran the world. And as they ran the world, they, they conquered the world. They conquered these nations like Israel. And, and as they conquered all these different nations, they imposed heavy taxes on them. And this is how they paid for their building projects and their armies and, and all of this. They would, they would tax these, these places where they conquered. But, but as the Romans uh, set these taxes, they didn't personally collect the taxes. They hired local people to work for them as, as tax collectors. And these local people would go and collect these high taxes and pay the Romans. And, and there was no real oversight of this system at all. It's just that the Romans would, would charge each tax collector a certain amount. And these tax collectors would then go and, and get the people to pay their taxes. And if they paid them, that's great. If they chose not to pay them, well, that's, that's their choice too. But if you choose not to pay them, then, then the Romans come and they, they take care of you. Outside of every Roman city would have been permanent crosses uh, that were set up. Like in Jerusalem, there have been crosses at the gates just reminding you if you don't pay your taxes, that's what's happened to you. So, you know, you can pay your taxes or not pay your taxes, but the cross crucifixion is what's waiting for you if you, if you don't want to do this. And so 
These Romans would hire these, these tax collectors to go and, and, and collect these taxes. No oversight on this. And so a lot of times what would happen all the time, these tax collectors would overcharge people and then they'd skim off the top. They would get rich off of the oppression of their own people. This is a terrible situation. And Zacchaeus, he's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Like he's at the top of the pyramid scheme, skimming off of the top as other people have already skimmed off the top and, and he's getting rich off of, off of the pain of all these other people. So imagine the situation. You, you can see it. Here's Zacchaeus going around collecting all these taxes. You're, you're trying to, to provide for your family, make ends meet while you have to pay for these, these high taxes. And then, and then Zacchaeus is there in town and he just, you know, he gets getting more and more wealthy. He, builds a new house, he puts on an addition, he gets new furniture, his clothes get nicer every year. He just keeps growing in more and more wealth the, as he's cheating you and taxing you, overtaxing you for, for this other, these other people who are oppressing you. I mean, this is the situation. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. I mean, there are outcasts and then there are like tax collectors. This is as far as it gets. Zacchaeus, nobody likes Zacchaeus. And, and yet, if you lived in Jericho, you'd be you'd be so insulted that this is the person that we're still talking about because he was such a bad guy. He's like, he's one of the bad guys. And yet, Jesus is gonna single him out as somebody that he wants to spend time with. Let's keep reading here. Verse three, it says, he, that is Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was because at this point, Jesus is quite famous. But because he was short, let me say that differently, I'm sorry. He, because he was a, a wee little man, as the song goes, um, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, if you lived in Jericho that day, you must have loved this. Because here's Zacchaeus, the short guy who's running ahead of the crowd trying to see Jesus, which is a very undignified thing to do. Grown men in the first century don't run. That's something kids do. And then on top of it, he's climbing a tree, which again, this is what a child does. I mean, I'm sure no one's laughing at him to his face because, you know, he can overcharge them on taxes. But but probably they're all elbowing each other, look, nodding, looking, hey, look at Zacchaeus. I mean, there's, there's such a great scene for them, for them to see because it's such an undignified thing for him to do. But what happens here is verse, we keep reading here, verse, verse five says, Jesus reached the spot, the spot where Zacchaeus is. And he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then listen to verse seven here. It said, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're all, they're all muttering, like he wants to spend time with that guy? Why would he want to spend time with, with someone like that, one of those people? Why, why would he want to do this? And, and Jesus clearly knows who Zacchaeus is. I mean, it's not like he's confused here. If he thinks he's one of the good guys and actually he's one of the bad guys. Well, Jesus knows who he is. And we see here he knows his name even. I don't, maybe this is like a miraculous kind of thing. Sometimes Jesus knows, you know, people and, and situations that he shouldn't know. But, but moreover, probably Zacchaeus is like a famous person. He's wealthy, he's powerful, and Jesus knows who he is and he calls him out and and everyone is, is, is not understanding why, why Jesus would do this, but Jesus knows who he is. And, and as Jesus knows who he is, he, he must also know how harmful Zacchaeus has been to the people around him in Jericho and the other areas. He must know the contempt that Zacchaeus has for his people as he has overcharged them and gotten rich off of their misery. He must, he must know the damage that Zacchaeus has done to so many families. And yet, and yet when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, 
what he sees as somebody who is created in the image of God. What, what he sees as somebody who's worth dying for. Right? What he sees is, is somebody who is beloved by the Father in heaven. Because that's what Jesus sees when he sees all of us. He, he sees Zacchaeus as somebody that is worth spending time with. And, and, the, and the people of Jericho have to just be dismayed by this because they're thinking, why would Jesus want to spend time with someone like that? And what Jesus is thinking is, I want to spend time with this person because he is created in the image of God. He's beloved by the Father. He, he is worth dying for. This is, this is who he is. And, and this is something we see Jesus doing over and over and over and over again in the Gospels. In fact, in the book of Luke alone, there are five different times where Jesus goes and spends time spends time with people. And on the other side of this, the crowd like mutters and murmurs about how Jesus would want to spend time with someone like that. And then there's all kinds of times where, where people don't mutter about this, but what you see Jesus doing is reaching out to the sick and the lost, the hurting. He, he reaches out to the, to the lepers and, and the prostitutes, these outcasts that are around them. And he, and he welcomes them and invites them into life in his kingdom. This is something that we see Jesus doing over and over and over and over again. Zacchaeus is this incredible example of how we see Jesus initiating this relationship because he, he sees more than what everyone else sees. He, he sees people who are created in the image of God. He sees people who are worth dying for. He sees people who are beloved by the Father and he seeks out relationship with them. Now in, in church, we describe what Jesus is doing here with a kind of a theological word and we we talk about grace, that grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor that he has for us. This is how we describe grace. It's we don't deserve the work that God has done in our life. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Uh, and it wasn't that Jesus was looking for us to be perfect moral people before he's died on the cross for us, but rather he just wants a relationship. And so he seeks after us and he wants to know us and he loves us. And, and this is how we, we, we talk about grace. And you look at Zacchaeus and what an incredible example of, of grace. Because Zacchaeus is this person who has, does not in the, in the slightest bit deserve this time with Jesus. And it's not just that he's chosen to be self-destructive, like, like the choices he's made has just hurt himself, but rather, think about it, the choices Zacchaeus have made have hurt real people. They have caused real harm in the community here. They, they've caused real damage to, to other people's life, and yet Jesus still seeks after him and says, this is somebody that I want to spend time with. This is somebody who, again, is created in the image of God, is worth dying for, and is beloved by the Father. And so Jesus doesn't wait for Zacchaeus to you know, get his life together. He's not like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come over to your house tomorrow at five because I want to give you some time so you can clean up your life. You can, you know, X, Y, or Z. You can change whatever you need to change. No, before Zacchaeus makes any changes to his life whatsoever, Jesus wants to spend time with him. This is grace. What an incredible picture of grace. I mean, we talk about tidings of joy for all people. Like, this is it. Here's somebody who is hated by his neighbors. Somebody who's on the outside and excluded. And yet Jesus welcomes him and invites him into relationship. This is grace. Now in church, our church, one of the ways that we talk about God's grace is that grace goes before us. Theologically, we say it like this, we, we call that um, prevenient grace because theologians like to make things more complicated than they really are. But it's like God's grace goes before us. We have this, this truth, we know this truth that, that God is seeking 
all of us for a relationship with him. Like God is seeking to save all of us. He's seeking to know us. He's seeking to work in our lives, even before we know he is. And so in our church, we talk about how God's grace is at work in everyone's life, whether they know it or they don't. And from the time that they are born to the time that they die, God's grace is at work in their life, seeking them to pulling them uh, towards himself. And a lot of times what happens with this, um, you know, grace that goes before, this provenient grace, is that you don't recognize it at the time because that's how, especially if you don't have faith, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to see God's hand at work in your life at the time, but, but a lot of times what happens where people will come to faith in Christ later and, and they look back at their life and they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't see it at the time, but I, I can see how God was working in my life back then. I just didn't know it. Like he led us to live in this neighborhood where I met this neighbor who invited me to church, or I, I got this job in this city and I started to know these people and I got you know, involved in this, in this group or, or maybe I, I went through this time and I saw that there was like love and support from other Christians and like I started to see that God was at work in my life, but I didn't know it at the time. But looking back later, I can see that it was God's grace that was at work in my life. And so we have this, this truth that God is at work in everyone's life. This is, this is prevenient grace. This is the tidings of joy. That's for all people. No one is excluded from this. God is at work in everyone's life. And what this means is that God never gives up on anyone. Anyone. I mean, there are people, all of us can think of people who, are, who we think are too far gone. We think have given up on faith. People that we think have, have no hope for a relationship with the Lord. And every single one of us has people in our lives that we desperately want to know the Lord. And yet they're living far from God and maybe they're even living further and further from God, further and further from, the, from faith. But what we know is that God doesn't give up on those folks because he doesn't give up on anybody. And because God doesn't give up on anybody, neither do we. We don't give up on people either. The Lord is always at work in people's lives. And because of this, we don't give up praying. We don't give up seeking to, to know folks, to invite them to relationships with the Lord. We don't give up on sharing the good news in appropriate ways. We don't give up on these things because God doesn't. God doesn't give up on anyone, and so neither do we. Now, as we work through this, we see this incredible example of God's grace here in Luke 19 with Zacchaeus. But there's an, another way that we see um, God's grace at work, and it, it may not be quite as obvious, but it's still this promise of tidings of great joy that's for everyone. And so let's keep going. Let's go back to the story. Luke 19, it's not over yet. Jesus has invited himself over for dinner because he sees something in Zacchaeus that no one else sees. And at dinner, this incredible thing takes place. And so the very next verse here, verse eight, here's how the story keeps going. It said that Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. If I've, che if I've cheated anything out of anybody, you, you have. So you're gonna be paying a lot of people back four times the amount. And then listen to what Jesus said here, verse nine. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, this man is also included, this man too, is a son of Abraham. He is included in the work that God is doing. He is part of the people of God. He, he is included. You've excluded him, but, but, but God is including him. And then verse 10, this is so, 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 so important. Verse 10, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek 
and to save the lost. One more time, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you're reading from your Bibles, you should underline that. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is a verse that is worth memorizing. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Pay attention to those two words there. That the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Everyone. He's come to save everyone. To seek and to save everyone. And we saw how Jesus was seeking after Zacchaeus, how he has invited himself to dinner, how he hadn't given up on him, how he was welcoming him into his, into his life. But, but you know what? The story of Zacchaeus doesn't end with dinner because there's more work that God wants to do than just welcome the outcast. God wants to work in their life. That's the salvation part. He's seeking after everyone, but he's also he's seeking them in order to save He's seeking to seek and to save the lost. It's, it's a two-part work here. And what we see with Zacchaeus is this, is this turn that he makes where he's making this change in his life. We call this repentance, that he's going to change his life. He's going to turn in a new direction to live. And this is the salvation of God that is being worked out in his life. And it, and it may not seem like it, but this is also God's grace at work. God's grace is the kind of grace that never gives up on us, it seeks after us to know us and to welcome us into his kingdom and life with him. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop with the welcome. He doesn't stop with the, with the dinner invitation. Instead, he wants to work salvation in us. He wants to bring change in our life. He wants to lead us away from sin and destruction into life that is good and holy and beautiful. This is what he also wants to do. And so grace is not just how Jesus includes us, but it's also how Jesus works in our life to bring us into the life that God has for us. And this is what we see with Zacchaeus, that, that there's this two-part work that he wants to do is that he wants to bring us to the life that he has for us. You know, there's another great example of this in the Bible. There's a story that goes like this, that Jesus one day um, was uh, confronted by this mob. And th- this mob of people, they, they brought forward this, uh, this woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. That's how the Bible put it, caught in the act of adultery. You can imagine what that meant. She's caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before Jesus. And the Old Testament law was that people like this should be stoned. And so this Old Testament law was there. These, these men brought this woman to Jesus because they're trying to trap him. And they start to accuse her and to condemn her. And the Bible has this really interesting thing. It says that Jesus bent down and began to draw or write in the dirt, which to me means that Jesus isn't all that interested in condemnation. Like he, he thinks those conversations are a bit, maybe a little boring. He's, he's not interested in that. And so he's, he's drawing in the dirt while all these people are accusing her and condemning her and and finally, as they're pushing her, pushing him to make a decision, what do you say we should do to this woman? Should we stone her or not? Jesus finally speaks this incredibly wise word. He says to them, if anyone has no sin, let them be the first to throw the, the, the stone. So if you're perfect, you throw a stone. You go ahead and stone someone if you're perfect. And then the Bible says that, that these men who brought this woman before Jesus, that they started to go away one at a time, leaving their stones there, which meant that they brought stones with them to, to stone her. They were, they were prepared for action. Well, after they, they go away, you, you, you see this, this picture here, again, of, of God's grace. Here's this woman who, who doesn't deserve the work that God is going to do in her life. She, she, she doesn't deserve, she's done a, a thing that's harmful, and yet here it is that Jesus has come, and he's, he's come to, to welcome her, to include her. The, this woman that other people have excluded and pushed aside, Jesus is bringing into his kingdom. It's provenient grace that God is going before. He's seeking to, to know her and, and seeking to have a relationship with her and seeking to seek and to save. That's that word seeking. He's seeking after her. And so he goes to this woman and he says to her, where are all the people? Who's, who's condemned you? And she looks around and she says, well, no one. No one's here. No one's condemned me. And then Jesus says to her, well, neither do I condemn you. 
And sometimes we might read uh, that story and stop there. And again, it's an incredible, incredible story of God's grace that, that he welcomes everyone into his kingdom. But just like with Zacchaeus, the story doesn't stop there. Because then Jesus looks at this woman and he, and he says to her, Okay, neither do I condemn you, but now you need to go and leave your life of sin. You need, you need to make a turn. It's not just that I'm not going to condemn you. It's not just that I'm going to welcome you to my kingdom. It's that, it's that as I do this, you, you need to make a turn. This is how grace works. The tidings of joy that's for everyone is about this new life that we find. Not just that we're loved by God, this universal promise that is true for all people, but also that we are invited, that we are challenged, that we are called to make turns. For this woman, it meant that she had to make a change in her relationships. For Zacchaeus, it meant that he needed to make a change with his finances. Real parts of our lives that that are being lived selfishly, being lived to harm others or to harm ourselves, being lived outside of how God has designed life to be. And, And as we think and reflect and experience God's grace, His love for us that we don't deserve, we know that we also have to make a turn. The tidings of joy that is for everyone is is this message that you are loved by God. You are created in the image of God. You are worth dying for. And Jesus welcomes you into his kingdom, but it doesn't stop there. Because he also wants to bring into you a new kind of life. One that's not lived just for yourself and how you're gonna satisfy your own desires and live your own decisions, your own ambitions and what you wanna do to live in your own hurts, but rather what he wants to do is he wants to set you free. He wants to set you on a new path. He wants to bring new life into you, a full life, abundant life, as he talks about in the gospels. He wants to bring into you a life that is, that is the kind of thing that is God's design for you. Tidings of joy for for all people. It's this welcome and it's also this new life. It's this inclusion of everybody, no matter who you are, but also this call to live in a different kind of way. And so Jesus, the promise of Christmas, this birth of the Messiah, the Word became flesh. It's a call for all of us to make a turn into this new life that is freely available to us, no strings attached. And this is a call that is for absolutely all of us. Let's pray together. So Father, today, uh, we thank you for your grace. None of us deserve to have the work of Christ in our lives. None of us deserve your love. None of us deserve what it is that you've done for us. And yet you have individually seen past our 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 failures, you've seen past our destruction, you've seen past our sin, you've seen past our selfishness, you've seen past all these things to welcome us into a new kind of life. And so God, today as we we reflect on your grace, your your great love for us that welcomes all of us, um, for some of us, maybe we just need to take that first step of faith, cross that line of faith because maybe we've been thinking about you or we've been pursuing you a little bit, but today is a day that we need to just say yes to the work that you've been doing in our life. And it's a simple prayer that just moves us past this line of faith where we just simply say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and would you lead my life? And for others of us, God, though, that we we may recognize the grace of God that that has called to us, but frankly, we've become stuck or, or we've been distracted or we've started to live or chase after the wrong kinds of things. And as we reflect on the promise of Christmas, we also know that this is a new kind of life that you're calling us to. 
And so there are maybe our specific things, relationships, distractions, fears, uh, doubts that we need to confess and bring before you to repent of, to find a new kind of life, a path that is different. And we do this because of your great love for us, your grace that is never ending for us. And so God, today we thank you for how you've called us, how you see within us that we are people who are created in the image of God, that we are people who are beloved by the Father, and we are people that are worth dying for. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to follow you and love you and serve you with all of our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Thanks, everybody. It's been an awesome morning of worship. Thanks so much for being here. Also, special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected and updated. Worship team, we really appreciate how you lead us to experience God today. Spencer for the message. And this week, if you know anybody who could benefit from this message, and I think we all do, uh, about joy, share it on social media. Thanks so much for doing that. And now next week, we're really looking forward to it. It's gonna be a little different. Join us live stream for the Christmas Cantata. Our Christmas Cantata is the story of Christmas through music, choir, orchestra. It's a really special experience. You don't wanna miss it. Once again, join us uh, live. We really look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great, great week. See you then.